0: Welcome back. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Jordan as Abby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as the destroyer of everyone's happiness. Thanks for coming along on this adventure with us. If you like what you're hearing so far, then like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And maybe consider becoming a patron by going to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two, S-I-D-E-D-G-U-Y-S. We have some extra content for our subscribers. And if nothing else, maybe just buy us a coffee to show your support. And if you were sure I was going to say the three unnamed soldiers from our last episode were named Vix, Wedge, and Piet, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, Episode 7. As the sun rises and spreads its light on a mountainside glistening with snow, our vision looks south, back down the hillside and through the forests, back to the city of Taburi. Snow gives way to glistening wet cobblestones and rooftops. On the ramparts of the worn-down, derelict Taburi keep, two men walk side by side. One of them, a younger man with unkempt hair, a gray imperial soldier's jacket worn draped across his shoulders, and the swagger of a swordsman looks disconcerted. Adjudicator Rolf glances over at his companion, an older man immaculately dressed in the imperial style, his left sleeve pinned up to his shoulder. Chancellor Ramsey, looking quite content with himself, says, Well, it worked. I knew it would. Rolf says, Yes, it worked, but I don't like the methods. You may not like the methods, says Ramsey, and yet the results speak for themselves. One in custody, everyone else out of the stocks. To be quite honest, this turned out better than even I had hoped. Rolf grumpily says, still, I don't like the bluff, the threat. I don't like to threaten unless I mean to back it up. And there is no way that I would have started to hang innocent people. Now that's where you're wrong, says Ramsey. You're an adjudicator. Your word is law. Your edicts are carried out. I heard you tell the people of Tabury that they would hang if the treasonous author was not produced. As an adjudicator, that was no threat. That was a promise. That was law. Their footsteps become muffled as they descend a narrow, spiraling staircase. Oh, don't you look so glum, says Ramsay. I know you're new to this, being an adjudicator. You'd best learn to hold your tongue, lest every threat made in anger or every promise made in your cups become binding. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would be if you had to marry some stranger, all because of a promise you made while drunk? My point is, be careful what you say. As an adjudicator, people will always take your words at face value. Rolf responds back sullenly. Yes, but those were not my words that I spoke to the people of Tabury. They were yours. You speak of this authority that I have, and yet there's one here with more than me. He looks pointedly at Ramsay. Ramsay smiles back at the young adjudicator. Come now, good Sir Rolf. Your word is law and it is now being carried out. It is a happy day. Now, to find out what this traitor knows before we hand out a hempen necklace. The two Imperials have stopped their descent and stand in front of a solid oak door in a dark, dank hallway, the only light coming from the crystals that orbit each of their heads. Ramsay motions to the door with his hand. Our duty to the Emperor awaits, he says. Rolf sullenly pushes open the heavy door, and Ramsay pulls it closed behind them. As the door closes, the last sound heard are the muffled screams of the so called author of the treasonous tracks of Tabery.
1: Boo! No! <laughs> Welcome
0: back to the 12-Sided Guys, to the Crystal Codex. Um, Yeah, episode seven. Okay, so last time we left our players. Sorry, everyone can have a reaction if they need to to that story. I need a reaction, Paul. Okay, well, have a reaction now because your characters don't get one because they don't know this story. I know. Matt has ideas, but Pine has no clue. Back to our characters. They all wake up on a rough stone floor in a cave up in the mountains Uh, all except for ebby i think ebby has been pretty much awake the whole night uh, as he usually is uh, keeping watch and kind of relaxing in order to refresh Uh, but uh, you can tell that it is morning as uh, the entrance to the cave you see some light starting to shine down through You all awaken. There are still numerous members of fallen heaven here after having spent all night having a conversation and a plan about what to do going forward in order to free Tabori from the oppressors, uh, the imperial oppressors that have uh, pushed their edicts and their different uh, plots on the people there. um, And to hopefully keep anybody from getting hung for or from getting hanged for the, um, the writing of Pine and Ebby So as you guys wake up, what would you like to do? Am I the only one here? No, you're. Really? We're all here.
2: I think we're all stunned.
0: You've stunned yeah. us all the silence, Paul. Come on.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling so really
3: hilarious. guilty now.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just like waiting. I'm like, oh great, my internet is out. There goes my connection. <laughs> oh man, I thought that was going really good. I didn't want to start over. All right. No, it was, it was good. But uh, okay, yeah. let me make it easier. Let me make it easier for you guys. Okay, you are all still kind of rolled up in your, in your, um, in your bed rolls. Waking up, you hear the the sounds of a couple of you know birds that are uh, not they don't fly south for the winter, but they're they're chirping along with the with the morning sun, and you smell uh, fresh food being cooked over the fire there in that cave. Um, and Brynby comes walking over to your huddle huddled group, and he says, "Well, time to wake up and see if we can make this work."
4: Okay. Oh, and Pine will um, kind of groggily get out of his uh, sleeping bag, sore from sleeping on the ground.
5: I think well, Abby's now that, probably. N- oh, go ahead, Sabrina.
3: Oh, I was just gonna say. Well, now that Nari has her notes and remembers things, she would probably want to talk to Kara one more th- or Kira one more time before we we head out. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Okay, you get up and you go find uh, Kira in the corner. Abby, what did you want to do?
5: Uh, You know, I think I'm going to see, like, (laughs) I imagine Pine getting out of his bedroll, maybe stretching and kind of adjusting in the morning. And I'm picturing Ebby kind of seeing that and being like, oh, yeah, that's what people do when they wake up. And kind (laughs) of also like stretching like, oh, man, what a night's sleep. Jeez. (laughs) Uh You bend down and touch your toes
0: and you can just hear the servos whining.
2: Yeah,
0: it sounds like it sounds like somebody's like uh, uh, using an electric screwdriver. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, Actually, Ruf, what did? Oh, good. I was going to say Pine Pine will uh well, Pine would like to have a little conversation with Abby as well whenever you want to get to that. Yeah, perfect. And then, and then Roos, what are you going to do?
1: Roos is kind of stewing over some mixed emotions that he has about um, everything that's been going on. Uh, still concerned about the, the mission or his job that he's doing here. So he, he also would like to talk to Kira, uh, but right now he's just sitting um, and feeding Gigi by the fire.
0: Perfect. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Dellen, the, uh, the very tall uh, mountain clans uh, woman, is uh, actually she hands you a bowl of some food. Um, Pine and Ebby, you start conversing, and Nari, you find Kira sitting over by herself uh, by the entrance to the cave. She sees you approach, and she says, Good morning, Nari.
3: Good morning, Kira. I hope you slept well.
0: She shakes her head. She says, No, I I don't sleep well anymore. I, I shouldn't burden you with this, but... No, when I sleep, I dream and my dreams are all the same.
3: I can understand that. I think that, I think that a lot of us in this position feel the same way. She nods. I did want to tell you, I had a message from the Rose Syndicate that was supposed to go to uh, Fallen Heaven and I wanted to kind of give it to you when we were alone.
0: Okay. Yes, uh, that would be very helpful.
3: There's a shipment. I, I don't know exactly what it means, but I, I was told there's a shipment of 30 deacons and a sleeping bishop going to Acravy.
0: A shipment of 30 deacons and a sleeping bishop?
3: That's what I was told.
0: And you don't know what that means?
3: I was hoping you would.
0: Let me make a roll for her and see what she knows she did not rule very well so kira says well i will take that under advisement thank you if you if you gather more information about what what deacons and and a a sleeping bishop means uh, i would greatly appreciate it but for now you've given me something at least some some clues to look for absolutely well go get some food it'll all be gone and then we are uh we're out of here within the hour Okay. Um Abby and Pine. You are having a conversation. Yeah, so I pull Ebby a little bit a little bit away as we as
4: we're both stretching and adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you see, no, sometimes the um the undergarments bunch here, so you have to pull here. Ah,
5: so that's what you're doing then. Yes, it looks more natural that way. Yes. That <laughs> seems so strange.
4: Yes, yes. <laughs> um so Ebby... um This is delicate, but, and, and I would never want to take this, your, I would never want to presume to share your secret, your story with anyone else, but I was wondering if you would feel comfortable sharing with our new allies here at, uh, Fallen Heaven, your true nature.
5: Uh, I have hesitance doing something like that. and Allow me to explain perhaps why. At, over the last few days, the things that we've experienced, I get the feeling that perhaps myself and maybe even those of my kind existed before the empire existed. My, my worry is that the ambitions, even of fallen heaven, if they knew who I was and what I was capable of, that they may try to use me in some way that may not be appropriate, that they may try to usurp or or abuse what power I may have. I just worry that if they knew what I was capable of, they may see me as just a simple tool that they may be able to use and manipulate as they see fit. The ambitions of man are not confined to one side of a war. As you know, Pine, sometimes desperation can breed all manner of unwise choices. If you feel that it may be prudent, that it may gain us some additional favor and perhaps some additional trust, then I certainly would be willing to reveal my nature. But I'm reluctant to just volunteer that information at this point.
4: I completely understand. And as I said, I would never, I'd never dream of taking that from you. My, the only thing I think we could gain here is less surprise were it to come to light at a less opportune time.
5: You raise a very valid point. With the presence of the additional deacons in the city itself, mm-hmm. it is likely that we are to face them at some point, And I'm going to have to reveal my nature if we come to battle and come to blows with them. <sighs> I think you are correct. Perhaps we ought to break the news to them now.
4: If the plan go- if if our plan goes uh, accordingly, then you won't have to face them at all.
5: I hope not. They certainly looked a lot scarier
4: than I look. Well, They were just flashier, a fresh coat of paint and some fins, a spoiler and <laughs> some some speed holes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> put a spoiler on a civic it's still a civic you know i'm not saying a civic but uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> one of those giant
0: exhaust pipes that somehow makes them go slower
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic yeah. no, no, that, that is that would be my only concern is that at an inopportune time your true nature would come out and then we would we would confuse them in the, in the in, it, it, the the how am i what am i trying to say the 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 best the best outcome in that situation would be that we would confuse our allies the worst is that they would think we were false
5: yeah, you know this is a very very valid point and certainly allies are hard to come by especially in times like these i think perhaps then we risk it we reveal what i am to them And we trust that they use this information wisely. Know that
4: I am here, and no matter matter how they react, you will always have my friendship.
5: And I don't doubt the honor of Rus and, and Nari as well. No, they have certainly proven themselves in combat more than their fair share in terms of trust. And your reputation may be invaluable for convincing these members of fallen heaven that I am not some sort of imperial plant okay well it is your choice do what you will very well I think I think I will I think I will reveal the full Monty <laughs> you
4: can leave
5: your hat on oh man
0: what a great movie though. that's the song right that was the song right <laughs> I think I so think that's a okay. That, you know, I remember watching that movie real quick side note. I remember watching that movie and being like, "Ooh, I'm, I'm I'm bad for watching this movie, you know, but it was just a good movie about like loving yourself and being happy in your own skin like that. What a great message.
1: That's a great. Yeah, it's an awesome message.
0: Yeah. Rumpelstiltskin, you know, he got to be the uh, the good dad and not screw up everything like he thought he was afraid his son felt, you know. That's true, but Rumpelstiltskin will always. I'll, I'll always think of that terrible James Bond movie where he had a bullet in his brain where he couldn't feel any pain.
2: Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. No, but that one
0: had Sophie Marceau, so it was good. But it had Denise Richards, so it was terrible. You mean Christmas Jones? <laughs> was her name Christmas Jones?
5: Christmas, yes, yes Christmas okay. Jones. <laughs> All right,
0: so we were at the we were right at the precipice of a very like dramatic event. So,
4: <laughs> Full Monty, do it.
0: Okay, so we'll just stick with Ebi then. Ebby, you are here in this cave and you see these uh, three unnamed, quote unnamed, uh, fallen uh, heaven soldiers. They've been kind of working through the night, moving boxes and barrels and getting everything ready to go. They've been going out and like making false tracks, that kind of thing. You see Dellen is sitting over by the fire, kind of, uh, she's actually in the process of putting it out. And you see Hebo, the, the short guy, the short, kind of grizzled, scarred uh, man. He is uh, helping like go through some of the boxes, figure out what's important and what they can leave as evidence that they were there, you know, to help throw off, to help make it look authentic, but not to get rid of anything that they really desperately need up here in the mountains. And then you see Kira is sitting over by the entrance to the cave.
5: I will kind of walk over now now Kira was the one that was kind of that that was she was like the leader of the fallen heaven group yeah, right she is, is that Roos's sister that is Roos's sister and she is the leader of this cell of fallen heaven yes got it okay okay got a quick refresh on that perfect uh, I'm gonna kind of walk up to her and say Kira may I have a word with you for a moment Of course you may what is it? I feel like it is important that I reveal a truth that I have been concealing uh, up until this point but in an effort to further build trust and and a relationship with you and with your men pine and I are of one accord that honesty is certainly the best way to move forward and I'm going to start like unwrapping my head and like my upper torso to reveal my robotic body as you unwrap your head, at first, she doesn't, she
0: looks uh, uninterested, almost like you're wearing a helmet or something. And then when she realizes that it's actually your head, her eyes get quite wide and she, she almost reaches out to touch your face. Then she kind of pulls back because obviously that's rude um, to just reach out and touch somebody's face. But she pulls her hand back and she says, I hope I don't sound terribly rude, but
5: what are you? You know, I wish I knew the answer to that. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I awoke in an imperial research facility some years ago. They were experimenting on me and on this robotic form. They tried to pull the plug. At the time, they called me a deacon, and they thought that I was faulty. I fought my way out of the facility and fled into the mountains. Uh, That was quite a ways to the west of here, uh, I believe west and south. And I've been traveling for some time before making my way to Tabury and meeting up with Pine. Uh, he and I have been working together for some time and I trust him uh, explicitly with with my life. He and I felt that in the coming In this coming uh, storm that we may be facing against the Empire, there's a a possibility that we may face others of my kind, but others that have been usurped and manipulated to do the Empire's bidding. If they are still using the same nomenclature as they had before, uh, we would consider these also to be deacons. But clearly, they are geared and ready for war and for combat. She she nods as you as you're speaking. She she gives you the whole time to
0: just explain without interrupting. And when you're when you kind of wind down here at the end she says, "And what about
5: what about a bishop?"
0: A bishop? Yes, uh, you are a deacon and you say there are other deacons around. What of what of the bishop? I've heard tell of
5: a sleeping bishop in Arkilvy. A sleeping bishop. This is the first I've ever heard of that. But the the language about something sleeping, (laughs) I've heard that reference before, but not from the empire. No, from whatever it was that gave me sentience, that woke me from whatever slumber I was deep within. uh, That voice told me that it woke me, that I was a slumberer, and that it Needed to I needed to awaken the others if I could. I have no idea how to do this, um, but I hold out hope that perhaps someday that path will be revealed to me and perhaps these deacons that we found in Tabery, perhaps there's a way I could even save them.
0: Now, this is all very new
5: information for me, so
0: pardon if I ask a silly question, but what is to guarantee that you won't become enthralled to the Empire
5: like the other deacons. I wish that I had some sort of guarantee myself. They haven't been able to yet. I have the impression that if they were aware of my presence, they would certainly attempt to regain control, that they would see me as some sort of rogue agent and they would try to snuff me out or recapture me and reprogram me. So that I'd be a servant to them like the other deacons apparently are. You can see then why I take my the nature of who I am very seriously. I fear that if the knowledge of what I am were to fall into the wrong hands, they might try to manipulate me. They may try to turn me into the empire. They may see me as a tool or as a pawn to be used in any political scheme that they may have. But we feel that there may come a time when we are pushed, when we may find ourselves in combat. And if we are in that position, I will have no choice but to fight and reveal myself at that time. Rather than wait for that moment and cause potential confusion amongst the ranks, I'd rather come forward with myself now so that you are aware. She she looks at you appraisingly and says,
0: yes, I see the value in that. And then she, she stands up, she kind of, she uses her crutch. She stands up to her, her full height of like five, three. Um, and uh, she says, Ebby, it is good to know you. And I
5: look forward to meeting you again. Ebby bows and says, likewise, Miss Kira, may the blessings of Artarian and Lord Moshe go with you. So she
0: bows her head as you as you head back into the cave. Um Roos, did you want to have any kind of conversation with your sister before you guys split up?
1: Yeah, that was uh I was just waiting my turn. Oh yeah, no, no, that's good.
0: <laughs> Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> I figured that, you know, I mean, I figured that probably Roos would would just just this is my guess, but by the kind of the body language and the interactions you had the night before, is Roos kind of putting this off a little bit?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, he's he feels nervous about it and maybe to give a little bit more insight into his thoughts, he's he's conflicted cuz he has a job to do and it's putting him in direct opposition to his sister once again and he he knows how that ended last time but he doesn't know how to make a different decision than he did the last time that he was in this position. Okay.
0: Well, Kira is still sitting over by the entrance to the
2: cave.
1: So, Roos, Roos reaches into his pocket and to break the ice a little bit, pulls Gigi out and, and kind of like points over to Kira and, and throws her so that Gigi can kind of glide over to his sister.
0: <laughs> I picture you like doing like a baseball pitch, just woof, and then Z just splats against <laughs> her face. Uh, no, Gigi kind of <laughs> glides over. I mean, it's, it's very like Flying Squirrel-esque, you know, um, spreads those mm-hmm. flaps of wings between or flaps of skin between her arms. And she uh, glides over to Kira, lands on her shoulder. Kira kind of, oh, startles, looks back and then reaches back, takes Gigi in her hands and kind of starts cooing with her and and rubbing her head. And, you know, she kind of, um, I don't know why she does, but she licks her finger for a little bit of moisture and like rubs her skin a little bit. And she glances over and she sees Roos. And she 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 kind of waves you over, and she says, "Come, little brother."
1: Hey, sis. I I need to be straight with you. I think you're looking for the same person I'm looking for. She stops petting Gigi. Um, make a, an insight check. Roose got a fourteen.
0: You see her whole her body language totally change. Uh, her her shoulders tense up, even though she doesn't necessarily move. You can see almost see the, like the a line of muscle in her jaw as she becomes tense, and then she forces herself to calm down and she starts petting Gigi again.
1: Well, Roose you know, leans forward and kind of looks out the cave entrance and says, "You remember that uh, Barastian fellow that I was with the last time we met?" His, uh, I don't know if he caught his name, but that was that was Tegish. The
0: yes, the the scaly one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I report directly to him on this. He asked me to find any living members of the Royal Everland family, but he was doubtful that that any still survived. I owe you for everything that happened, and I would be willing to tell him that there are no more living survivors if we can again find some evidence to give him. And hopefully at that point, you and I can call our relationship even.
0: She thinks about it for a second, and then she doesn't make eye contact with you, but she nods. And um, you notice that she kind of like lets her hair fall over her face and hides the 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 scarred side of her face a little bit. Um, you've noticed it a little bit as you've been talking to her throughout last night and today, something about seeing you reminds her of how she got those scars, um, how she got burned. You sense that she's a little bit uncomfortable around you, Roos. But she, she nods her head slowly and says, little brother, I would greatly appreciate that. And between you and me, And you can hear a little, a little crack in her voice as she's speaking. I think I'm out here on a fool's errand myself. I don't think there's any, anyone left in the Everland line.
1: So my, my employer through Teagish didn't, did not give me more than just rumors. So I I really didn't even know where to start what do you know about about him or her
0: make a persuasion
1: check ruse rolled a nine
0: she says i have rumors as well just rumors but but ruse and then now she looks you in the eyes and she says i'm afraid that we're fighting a losing battle everywhere we turn the empire gains footholds, gets stronger. They haven't made a move on any countries in five years now, but they've been consolidating their forces. They've been they've been building up their armies and their legions all along the border. Who knows before they head into Australand or Dolin? Who knows how long before they move on Ladrafel? They are marshalling their forces, they are gaining their strength. I feel it's only a matter of time and we fallen heaven are uh, we're losing ground. We're losing ground. We needed we needed something. We needed some hope that this last member of the royal family might be able to give us some claim to this province, to this sorry, this country. Our country.
1: What difference would that make, Kira? If we find some sort of living heir, what army, with what power would we put that person back on the throne to to control this this nation? It, It feels like a fool's errand. Her back goes
0: rigid when you say that.
1: In the real world, if you don't adapt, you get crushed by those that are stronger than you we have to adapt to this new situation
0: she looks you in the eye and she says you get stronger and then she she lets she looks at your glove and she sees the symbol on the back of your glove and she says interesting symbol there it carries some weight doesn't it you show that to people and they know what it means doesn't it
1: yeah it has value it helps me to to do my job and it helps me get into places where I otherwise wouldn't be able to go. A member of the Royal family
0: of Everlyn is a symbol, a symbol that would help the people remember what they've lost. That is why it's important. And yes, you can say that you have to adapt or get crushed, but I say, no, I say, no, And she stops talking and she says, she takes a big breath. She says, Roos, you and I are just different people. I take more after dad and you, you, I mean, look, you, you even look more like mom and I look more like dad. And she points to her, um, her right ear, the one that hasn't been burned. And you see that it's definitely more pointed than yours. She says, we are just. We're not the same people. We don't see things the same. And it, it makes me sad, but if you if you will do that for me and take the empire off of this trail or take howling Talent off the trail or tell them that there is no heir, then we're even. And I guess that's all I can hope for.
1: I, I don't know what else I could do in this situation. I think that's as good as outcome as we can come to. She swallows and nods
0: and turns her head away. And she sits there and gazes out um, the cave entrance. And you are left sitting there awkwardly in silence. Conversations with Fallen Heaven are over. People have started packing up their bags. There are um, a couple of barrels that they've kind of tipped over and um they've let some of the contents of like grain and stuff kind of drift out they've left a couple of daggers and uh, like a battle axe laying on the ground um there is um they uh, let's see what else would they leave um fallen heaven doesn't really have like a uniform so they don't leave any uniforms or anything but they they try to make it appear that there was some kind of an armed group here uh, to make it look sufficiently dangerous enough for the empire that they are, that they will um, take your word for for what you say. And then it's time to depart. As you all leave the cave and you you four are going to head back south towards Taburi. Nari, as you are heading out of the cave, Kira pulls you aside and she says, Nari, can I speak with you for one second?
3: Yes, of course.
0: She places a, she reaches out her hand and she places something in your hand. When she pulls it away, you see that there is a crystal in your hand. Um, A crystal that is.
3: Better be worth more than three gold. That's all I gotta say.
0: It is bigger than the crystals that you have found so far. That is for sure. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sell it.
5: Okay, let me see here. I'm like picturing Nari like kind of chewing on it like it's a hunk of gold
1: being like, what is this? Is
5: this pure? It better be. What is yeah, this? Yeah,
1: testing to see if there's like teeth marks in it. It's oh like 16
5: carat? What do we got here? Takes out a
0: knife and pokes into it and then tests the product. Okay. She starts shaving shaving some That's what I was getting at, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she takes her pinky and rubs it and rubs it on her gums. Yep.
3: Must <laughs> have a credit card.
0: <laughs> we doing this here? We doing this guys? We doing this? for the road. I
1: didn't realize the crystals could get you high.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You've been missing out this whole time.
1: I'm using my crystals wrong.
0: I wrote a whole document about crystal tech. <laughs> I wrote a whole document about crystal tech and you haven't read it yet. Um it's actually a red crystal by the way. I I finally found what I was looking for. It is a large red crystal. It's about the I mean it it it's probably about as long as your finger and as thick as like two or three of your fingers put together. Okay. And it looks like it's uh, uh, has a slight glow to it. Not enough to like illuminate a room, but you can tell there's some kind of magic in here. And she hands this to you and she says, as the last member of the Rose syndicate, I am trusting you with this. If you need to tell me anything, this has enough power to send a message to me one time per day. And I can respond back. But it will only come to me. Okay?
3: I, I appreciate it. That's a, a huge responsibility. Thank you. Are you sure that no one else is left?
0: You are, from the way you described it last night, it seems to me that if they are still around, I don't know of them. I do know of you. And you've brought me valuable information. So I think I can trust you. Anything more you find out, that would help our cause, please let me know.
3: Absolutely, I will I will keep in contact.
0: Okay, so you now have a sending stone nice. that will contact Kira or whoever has Kira's stone. Cool. Um, oh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping real quick because we talked last time about how much time had actually passed because you have one week before people start to hang, correct? That's mm. what we
4: were led to believe.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, you guys have one week. Your characters have one week. That's what you guys have. That's know. true. Yes. Um, okay. So I did some math and I'm the DM, so my math is right. I think only three full days have passed, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, okay. I think so. The first, day, yeah, the first day was camping with uh, Gerard and the Woolly Ox. The second day was after you killed off the the hobloids and gobloids and the bogloid. And then the third day was you guys going down into that old facility and then coming up here and having dinner with the fallen heaven guys. And now it's the beginning of day four. Okay. Yep. I think that's That's correct. That's that. well, okay. who cool. knows where we are, though? That's the question. I would. Bef- well, they know. Ex- they know exactly where you are. Okay, so they can point us in the direction. They right know exactly how to get leave. down. Okay. okay, exactly. So you're you're given some rough directions. They say you know walk along this ridge for about two miles, and then you'll come to a stream. Follow the stream down river, and then you'll come to the road. When you come to the road, turn right, and it'll take you right down through the hills back down to Tabori.
1: Is it how long of a journey is it back to Tabury?
0: It'll be about a day and a half. Okay. Well, Pine will definitely salute to, um, you know, say his goodbyes and salute uh, Brinby as as they separate. He salutes you back and then he picks you up and gives you a big old hug. Oh, I'm old.
4: It hurts. I'm kidding. (laughs) Ha ha. Just joshing with you.
0: As you limp away. (laughs) Um, all right, well, then that is it. And you start heading back towards Tabri. Okay. Uh, it's rough going for a couple of miles until you find that stream. And then you follow the stream down river until you find the road. Once you find the road, it's pretty easy going. Um, although there is a fresh blanket of snow all over everything. By the time you reach the road, though, you're down the mountain enough that it is. More snow melts, and you can see the the road uh, pretty clearly. Okay, as we go, I'd like to have I'd like to uh, interact a little bit with with my companions. Okay, do you give them all flat tires? <laughs> 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 flat tire, <laughs> flat tire.
4: Oh, oh yes, flat tire. <laughs> yes. Um, no. So uh, I think first I would I would just like to um, kind of go over the plan, and then I'd
0: love to talk to Nari about her. What, like her conversations with the uh, the other
4: mountain woman? So Nari, I couldn't help but notice there was another very tall woman in the cave, and you spent some time with her. Friend of yours?
3: I, I wouldn't call her a friend. I mean, she she is one of the uh, the hill people, and and but she's of a she's of a neighboring tribe, so friendly.
4: Hmm. Okay.
3: She, she, she mentioned that my, uh, my family might be in trouble and it's making me a little anxious.
4: Oh, really? What kind of trouble?
3: Well, she didn't, she didn't say really just that they're no longer around. Um, and that's, that's unusual. Normally in the winter, we, we trade between, between tribes and I haven't been home in a few years, so it makes me, makes me worry about their health.
4: And how far is home from here?
3: That's a good question. We're over in the Glass Mountains.
0: Yes, I mean if you if you look at the world map. So uh, just just to give you a heads up, um, Sabrina, you're, when we described your character, you lived above the mountains. Uh, uh, the mountains above Arkolvi, which is the capital, which is about a hundred. Yeah, it's like one hundred and seventy-five miles away if you, as the crow flies, from Tabory to Arkolvi.
3: Oh yeah, and it's in the mountains, so it would take. Take weeks to get
4: there. Oh my, Well, that's, um, that's unfortunate to hear. I hope they're okay.
3: Yeah, I, I don't have time to, to check in on them right now, but maybe after we finish our business in Tabury, I can I can head over there.
4: Okay, that sounds like a plan. Yes, if you if you need support, you you've proven yourself to be uh, quite the ally and friend, and I'd be. More than willing to accompany you, considering things go well in Tabury.
3: I appreciate it. We we will have to not die first.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here's not dying.
3: I'll drink to that.
4: That's always the first goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then last thing I want to say is, uh, Abby, I overheard your conversation. Good use of the word nomenclature.
5: Well... Why, thank you, Pine. I, you know, I've learned a few things by being around people, and uh, you know, I'm beginning to pride myself on my language skills, rudimentary as they still are. It sounds like you've been hanging around linguists. Well, I think I think I owe it to you. You're the closest thing to a linguist <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> oh, you flatter
4: me. Okay, that's all I have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh gosh, that's so fun.
0: You couldn't hear me laugh, I think, because I was uh drinking, but when you said good words good use of the word nomenclature, I about lost it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> all right. Okay. Anybody else want to do anything on the trip? Otherwise we can fast forward a bit. You guys are traveling down the mountain. Um it, you're gonna be traveling pretty much all this day. And they said that if you you know, if you travel all day today, you should get back to Tabury sometime early or late afternoon depending on
4: conditions well i think we should time it so that we arrive after dark uh, that way Roose could go in with his writ by himself and the rest of us could hopefully scale the wall with the help of ebby
5: agreed i think that'd be a wise decision
1: yeah the writ only says for one person so it would be easier for me to get in by myself
0: all right, you head back down the mountain. The first day goes very uneventful. The sun is back out again, so now the the ground that was uh, wet with freshly freshly fallen snow that has since melted is now starting to drought as well, but you leave footprints everywhere you go. The the trail, the road that you're on is it's just packed dirt. And there's plenty of puddles and things to step in. Um, So by the time you guys stop for the night, it is your boots are muddy. You're, you're tired, you're worn out. And even though it's not cold enough for the snow to still be there, it's still probably in the, in the forties, which would be what temperature for our Canadian friends, like the. 10s i I don't know how i don't know how canadian
3: i don't know how
1: celsius works zero is freezing
3: shorts weather shorts and a (laughs)
2: t-shirt
0: freezing so like i don't know like eight degrees
1: (laughs) five degrees you said 40 no it's probably like four or five sorry canadians (laughs) i like i
0: like i like your answer sabrina Up there in the cold white north, 40 degrees Fahrenheit. That's shorts weather. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) cares. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys find a nice place to to bed down for the night. Um, And uh, the first night of camping goes just fine. Um, As you're walking, I'm sure you were talking over the plan, discussing things, uh, trying to figure it all out. You guys, you camp for the night. I'm not even going to make you do any kind of rolls. We're just going to keep on keeping on. The next day you keep following the trail and it keeps going down the mountain out through the forest. It's more forested now, uh, as opposed to like a lot of Hills, uh, on this second day of travel and, uh, sometime around like three in the afternoon, you can see in the distance, uh, the signs, uh, like the, you can see the walls of the city. So right now at this point, you're, you're probably a good, from your vantage point here on this little rise where you guys have stopped, you're probably about two miles from the city.
4: Well, then I guess here's a, as good a place as any to stop and rest before making our approach. Roosh, do you want to go in now or would you want to wait until nightfall as well? well
1: I no, can, I can head into the city now. It's not going to make a difference now we're waiting might as well get it over with.
4: Okay. Best of luck.
1: Where should we meet back up after I meet with the adjudicator? Do we meet back at that tavern that we were at?
4: Will we get to see Ember again? I hope so. <laughs> Every time you say Ember,
0: I always think, oh, Ember is the color of energy. Oh. <laughs> All right, so you are going to head in to the, um, into the town.
1: Um, did, did we settle on meeting at the tavern? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> Matt's like, yeah, yeah, Pine's going there for sure. <laughs> oh, Roos, you don't want to go there? Well, too bad, that's where we're going. Roos, <laughs> as you approach the city, you see the uh, the eastern gate of the city, which is called the Forest Gate. Uh, and you approach, you see that on the outside, basically the the gate is set up with two towers that flank uh, a gatehouse of sorts. Um, it has uh, portcullis that drops down, you know, from living here forever. And you actually know because you've lived here forever, it actually has two portcullis. Is that how you say plural portcullis, portcullises? anyway sounds better, you know right yeah the metal someone the metal will message sp- us and tell us <laughs> there you go the metal spiky things that go down into the ground and act like a cage to keep people out that's what we're talking about there's two of them um in in this gatehouse um, as you approach you see on the outside of the city standing um by the gatehouse at, at the approach of this road that goes into the city you see two constables uh you know the the uh the Tabri citizens. So these are not imperial soldiers per se. These are the, these are the, the local constabulary. And you see that they are standing guard at the gatehouse. They see you approach. And one of them walks out to you. They, they exchange a glance. And then one of them walks out to you and he says, Hold up. what you doing? Who are you?
1: Oh, my name is, my name is Roos. I was, on a special task for Adjudicator Rolf, and I have returned with good news.
2: Mm.
0: He uh, glances back at the other constable, and he says, you want to come back into the, to the city?
1: I'll pull out the writ and, and hand it over to him and say, maybe temporarily, I don't think I want to stay here for too long, but yes, I do need back into the city so that I can meet with the Adjudicator.
0: Hold here, please. And he takes your writ from you. And he walks in past the portcullises. Um, You see him approach on the inside of the city gate. Um, You see there is an imperial soldier wearing the the gray jacket that all the imperial soldiers have been wearing. You see this one has like a golden braid on one shoulder. Uh, Not like a a band uniform braid, but just like a golden stitching uh, on on the seam. It's like extra thick, but it's not like, um, it's not gaudy like a like a marching band or something. But he also, his helmet has um, a big red plume on it. Um, And you would just recognize this as some kind of an officer. Uh, The constable walks up to him. You you got me thinking marching band now. I'm seeing a guy in a marching band. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: A big conical hat with a plume feather.
0: He's wearing a helmet. It is metal and
5: shiny. Coat with
0: tails. (laughs) <laughs> um, yes he's got a saxophone around his neck
2: oh <laughs> dang, now you got me doing
4: it too
0: <laughs> you hear the cadence marching you know in the background do, 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 do. and then anyway sorry <laughs> okay. um i was a marching band nerd matt was a marching band nerd anybody else raise your hand nobody i okay. was indeed oh yeah. you
5: were <laughs> right
0: I was less of a marching band nerd than you, though, Paul. (laughs) Um, um, Who had the solo for Greece when we did Greece for marching band? Who was that again? Who was it? But I, yeah, you know what? That that brought me out to the sidelines so that I didn't have to march for like three songs. (laughs) Oh gosh. Anyway, so not a marching band uniform, a military uniform with a helmet. And um, let's just say this guy looks pretty badass. Um, as the constable is talking with him, he hands the writ over. And then um, the, the officer says something to the constable, waves him away. The constable comes back out. Uh, and he, as he's approaching you, Russ, he kind of waves you in. And he says, all right, you, you can go on in.
1: Thank you. And I will step into the city.
0: Okay. Uh, well, you walk through the gatehouse, and standing in front of you now is a imperial officer with a plumed helmet.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead. I'm gonna let you make a little insight check, uh, Roos. Okay.
3: He heard you talking shit about his outfit. He's pissed. <laughs>
0: I know. <laughs> he's, got, he's definitely, he, he may not have a saxophone around his neck, but he definitely has a reed in his mouth getting it ready to put on his saxophone. <laughs> I was just about to say that.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Roos got a five on the insight. No, okay. Pardon me. Rolled five, got ten.
0: Okay. Um, as you approach him, he says, he holds up the writ and he hands it back to you. And he says, so you're Roos, the howling talon?
1: Yes, I am Ruse of the Howling Talon.
0: Come with me. I was told to keep an eye out for you.
1: Well, I have returned and I have good news for the Adjudicator.
0: He nods his head slowly and then he kind of um, enigmatically says, we shall see. And as he turns around and starts walking away from you, you enter the city with him, I take it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll follow him okay. straight, straight away. Okay. All right. Why don't you make a perception check real quick? All right, guys, I'm going to walk right to my death here. (laughs) Roos got a uh, 17 on uh, perception.
0: Okay. Roos, as you enter into the city, you see now, um, as you kind of glance back behind you, on the inside of the gatehouse, you notice that there are no longer constables on the inside of the gatehouse. They are now... This gatehouse is manned by imperial soldiers, where before when you left, you remember specifically that it was the constabulary that was manning the gatehouse. In fact, that's how Bert Bertram was able, able to get you guys all through. He is a local constable, and he was manning the gatehouse. Now, they have augmented the gatehouse with imperial soldiers, which seems like maybe the stakes have been raised a little bit. Hmm. I say, I don't want to tell you how to feel, but...
1: Oh, I'm already so Scott as the player is feeling very nervous. Roos, <laughs> absolutely confident. That's
0: great. Do you remember what I called myself at the intro of this episode?
1: Oh yeah, I'm fully prepared to die.
0: <laughs> the destroyer of all happiness. Now, I wouldn't I okay, here. Well, we'll see where this goes. All right, this um officer, he takes you um so you're just to give a description of Tabri again. It's been a few weeks since you guys have been here in uh, not in game but in real life uh Taburi is a city it's basically round. uh the gates that go east and west both come off of the upper city which is kind of on a tier above there are some ramps that lead back down into the lower city which is where more of the middle class and the and the like you know, kind of the lower income housing is as well as the access to to, to the uh, to the river you are coming in through the east gate uh into the upper city Um, which is kind of interesting because in our very first session, when this whole thing started, this is almost where you were hiding on one of the roofs, watching the Imperial procession come in through this very gate. And now here you are coming back through this gate, escorted by an Imperial officer. Um, He leads you along the road uh, through the upper city towards the keep, which is on the Western edge of the upper city. And as you approach the gatehouse of the keep, Um, You see that it is manned by Imperial soldiers and you see, you made a perception check just a second ago, a 17. It was a great perception check. So I'm just going to kind of give you what you see on your whole trip through town. Okay. He escorts you to the castle. The castle is, from what you remember before, from seeing the castle, there were 30 um, or so deacons lined up in front of the gatehouse to the castle. Um, now you see six deacons, but they are still three on either side of the entrance. And then you see that it's augmented by some imperial soldiers are, are manning the entrance as well. They look at you as you enter, but you're with an officer, so they don't stop you at all. Um, the officer leads you right on in through the gatehouse and into the courtyard. You see imperial attendants as well as some local help moving around there in the castle, doing things, you know, taking laundry this way and that. You know, somebody's uh, working at like an anvil for a, a horseshoe or a. Uh, I was going to say a chocobo shoe, but I don't know if that's copywritten or not. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you see just normal castle kind of uh, uh, daily life going on. As you approach Tabri, you see banners flying from the towers. And the ones that you see are are imperial banners. So you see the red flag with a golden ring surrounding another ring inside that's made up of diamond shapes in the different colors uh, of that same pattern that you saw in the ancient facility. Uh, a few days before uh, that, very recognizable imperial symbol that now you know they have somehow taken from a culture much, much, much older. The officer uh, catches an attendant and says something to him. With your perception, you you, you know that he's saying, uh, "I need to speak with adjudicator Rolf. I have something he wants." The attendant bows deeply, runs off into the castle. And then a few minutes later, he comes back out and he he waves you over, and and then he uh, he says to the uh, to this officer, adjudicator Rolf, we'll see you now. And then he bows and he does not lift his head back up. The officer walks in and is expecting you to follow. Okay. I'll
1: I'll follow in. Okay,
0: as I recall, last time you were in the castle, you never really left the courtyard. Mm-mm. Uh, You did all your conversations kind of out in the courtyard as you were talking with Rolf. This time you are led into a tower. He leads you in through the courtyard. Uh, You can see that there is what uh, probably is a barracks of some sort. You see some weapons racks out in front of the door. You see spears and shields and things very neatly organized on these racks out in front of one of the buildings, kind of to your left. To your right, you see a very large, um, wide building that has like a big... Uh, window on one end, you assume that's kind of like the the hall, the like the great hall or 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 whatever. You see a bell tower um, in the corner, uh, but he takes you to um, a kind of a large tower that is set in the western wall, and um, it looks like out of everything in the castle, this tower looks like it's the most fortified. And if, as you recall, this castle was like unrepaired falling apart before the empire moved in five years ago and it's slowly been getting redone and this tower looks like it is um i mean it's still not pretty but this one is definitely a uh, a fortress you uh you are led up some stairs you actually enter in on the second floor um and uh you can see that there's one point where they can actually pull the Pull like a, um, a drawbridge up so that you can't access the door. So this is probably like the last bastion, like the keep of the castle. Um, and in fact, just so you guys all know, it is called the Tower Keep. Um, you are led into this tower and it is um, thick stone. You're led up some stairs and uh, a spiral as you get to the third floor. So one floor up, you are led to a small um, down a hall to a small little office and there's a knock on the door. sorry. The officer knocks on the door and you hear a voice say, come in. He opens the door. And as you look in, there is this small office, a little desk. And you see, um, that same unkempt, um, man in the, in the officer's coat that he doesn't put his sleeves in or anything. Um, he's sitting behind a desk. It looks like, um, if you didn't know better, you'd say he slept in his uniform, like that's kind of how sloppy he looks. And he glances over and he sees you and he, his eyes kind of, uh, he, he raises his eyebrows almost in surprise, not like surprise, but just like in almost uh, like, oh, this is kind of a, a happy accident. Um, he waves the officer away and says, that's all from you. Thank you. And he motions, Adjudicator Rolf motions for you to have a seat on the other side of his desk.
1: Russell step into the office and bows his head and say, greetings, Adjudicator, and I'll take a seat uh, opposite him.
0: He sits back, puts his feet up on the desk. You can see that his boots are, are nice, but they're worn. I mean, uh, they're the, not the boots of a, uh, of a rich man, necessarily. These are the boots of a, of a soldier or of a, of a worker. He thinks for a second, then he says, You caused quite a stir when you left, just so you know.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean.
0: Can I can I see that
1: writ of course that I gave you? I'll take it out and hand it across to him.
0: Okay, he rolls it out on the desk on the table um, and he kind of starts tracing words with his finger. Um, you can see he's kind of like mouthing the words as he's reading. And then he says, oh, there, there. see. Do you see that?
1: Oh, right there where it says one person.
0: Actually, it doesn't say one person. What it says is it doesn't say four people. Uh, It says just your name. Yeah, yeah. So he says, nowhere in here does it say that you could take your allies. This was for you and you alone. And when we found out that you took some friends with you, that caused quite a stir.
1: Friends, friends is, is not the right word. When we chatted before, I told you what my specialty was. I was going to embed myself in the organization as best I could to find the information that we both wanted.
0: He, he takes his boots down off the desk and he leans forward. He says, so, so the people that you left with, are they are they fallen heaven? And you can see like his eyes light up like, oh, maybe this is actually a good thing.
1: I'll, I'll lean back in my chair and say, They were searching for Fallen Heaven, and I happened to come upon them at the perfect time to embed myself in their group and be introduced to Fallen Heaven.
4: Oh,
0: interesting. This gets more and more interesting.
1: So did you meet Fallen Heaven? I am very good at what I do. I did indeed meet with Fallen Heaven.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. And what news do you have for me?
1: I will tell you exactly where they're hiding and exactly where they're planning on moving.
0: I am going to let you make a deception check (laughs) with advantage. uh, And I am going to check his insight score. Because, yes, he has stats, my friend. He has stats.
1: This is the most important role that I've done so far.
4: Just remember, if they have stats,
1: they can bleed.
3: I feel so stressed out right now.
1: I rolled two 15s, so then plus two is 17. Oh, 17.
0: All right, and insight, insight. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Come on, please, please. He nods. He says, that is fantastic news you have you have done so much more than i had hoped hmm and then he says i guess we can stop trying to get information out of the other one uh, he says that almost to himself
1: i i have no
0: idea who you're talking about he he looks back up at you and says oh oh yeah we we found the author of the seditious material um we are we're getting intelligence from him as we speak. But if you know where fallen heaven is, we don't need him anymore. And and he can hang.
1: I, <laughs> I don't know who this person is, but uh, yeah, sounds good to me.
0: Well, um, now out of character, did he promise you a reward or anything? Was there anything? I don't remember. if there. I don't think there was any kind of reward.
1: Whatever he was going to do to the city, he wouldn't do anything to my mother.
0: He says, well, I see that you've kept your end of the bargain and I've kept my end of the bargain as well. Your mother has been, uh, does he know she's your mom?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I
0: think he figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Your mother has been well taken care of. In fact, probably better now than she was before we came. You should go see her.
1: Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate your hospitality. I will be frank. We are still competitors in our, our bid to find this, this supposed heir to the Everland royal line, but hopefully it, we can be friendly competitors.
0: Well, what did uh, Fallen Heaven tell you about
1: the heir? They are still searching for them. Let me be clear. I was only with them for one night and, and not even a full day, so I was not able to gather as much intelligence as, as I would hope but you put a deadline on my work. So I had to return here to ensure the safety of my mother. So in one day, all I was able to gather was was where they're headed and what little information they have on, on this air. They're not certain that he or she is alive, but they're following up on, on rumors that they themselves have heard.
0: Well, I'm going to need you to at least mark on this map any kind of Rolls out a big map of the area. Mm-hmm. So I need you to tell me exactly how to find Fallen Heaven's camp. And then don't worry, we'll find the heir.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe you'll find him when I hand him or her to you.
0: <laughs> um, make an insight check.
1: Roose got an 18.
0: Um, he seems very happy. That's that goes without saying, um, but as you're like watching his body language and stuff, you notice that as soon as you say that you know where they're at and you can point to where their where their headquarters is, you notice he's not he's not sitting back in the desk anymore. His feet are off the off the desk. He's he's alert. He's attentive. He seems happy because he gets to finally do something. You get the impression he has not liked this side of the job. If that makes sense, he does, he doesn't like being here in Tabury. Okay, he he's a he's a doer, he's a mover, he's a shaker. Yeah, and this has been too much um, too much sitting still.
1: Roos will will stand up and say, "Well, if there's nothing else you need from me after marking off on the map and such, say I should be getting back and checking on my mother, but I do want to invite you out for drinks before you leave town. Maybe we should uh, grab something to drink and and just relax a little bit. Maybe forget about work for a minute."
0: He thinks about it. Why don't you make a a persuasion check? (laughs) I got a six. He says, I'll have you know that you won't get me in my cups and then have me spill the beans on our plans for the air.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess I I never stopped working.
0: Yeah, maybe in another life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, that will be all. Thank you. Of course. And he, he turns back to the map and he starts uh, investigating it. And kind of you see his, like, him like tracing his finger down the road and trying to figure out exactly the best way to get there. All right, Roos, you are now free to go into the city. Roos, you're going to go see your mom right now, I guess, or?
1: Yeah, we can, we can go to the other players. Okay. And then we can go back to me later.
0: Perfect. Okay. Other players, you guys are just hanging out, waiting for night to fall? Yeah, kicking at rocks,
5: poking things with a stick. Just waiting. Loitering. Yeah. Throwing stuff.
3: I'd like to ask Evie if he knows anything about this bishop and kind of chat with him about that.
5: You know, Kira actually asked me the same thing. I never heard of any bishop before. Not when I was in the facility and I've never heard of anything since. The only thing I was aware of was the name Deacon. It's what they called me when they woke me up or when I was awoken in the facility. Um, but yes, unfortunately, I, I'm not aware of what a bishop or a sleeping bishop or whatever it was that she said, what that may actually be.
3: And and the voice you sometimes hear, that the one that woke you up, have, what do they call you? Do they call you a deacon?
5: Yeah. Oddly enough, he's never really addressed me by name. He has told me that his name is Neum, um, half the time that he speaks, it's as though he's speaking to himself, and I'm just listening in on the conversation. Or he's having a memory, and I get to experience it. It's quite disorienting.
3: I believe it. That that sounds really, really interesting. Well, I guess it'll be a surprise, whatever it is.
4: Not the kind of surprise I'm looking forward to. Yes, I agree. So we'll jump
0: back to um, Scott real quick. We'll jump back to Roos uh, going to visit his mom. Um, and then we'll get to nighttime. So Roos, you approach your house um, in the muds. And uh, sure enough, the muds is muddy today, um, for sure. There was, it looks like that no snow fell here. You're down too low. This was definitely a, like a rain shower you guys uh, got a couple nights ago. And then again, last night, the muds is the muds. Uh, but you see your house and um Interesting enough, out in front of the house, you see an Imperial soldier um, standing, not standing guard, not standing at attention. In fact, his uh, looks like his spear is kind of leaned up against the house and he's just kind of lounging, leaning back, uh, um, just taking it easy out in front of your house.
1: Russel approach and kind of narrow his eyes and say, afternoon, officer. Good day. Are you here to see the lady of the house? Uh, Yeah, she's my mother if you'll wait for a second. And then
0: he knocks on the door. And <laughs> you hear this, yes. And he goes, oh man, there's someone out here claiming to be your son. Should I let him in? And you hear here you hear like scrambling, and you can hear foot stomps, like stomping, <laughs> and the door gets thrown open, and the, the soldier almost like has to take a couple steps back. And your mother is there, and uh, she's like, "Oh, Roos, you're you're here!" And she throws her arms around your neck. Yeah, she she kisses you all over your face and all over your neck, and and she says, "I'm so I'm so glad you're back. I I know you've been gone so long, and then to see you, and and now uh, to have you." Gone again so soon. I was worried sick about you.
1: Well, I I was pretty worried about you too. That's that's kind of why I had to leave so quickly. But I've got it all sorted out. You will be very taken care of, and the adjudicator has given me his word that nothing bad will will happen to you.
0: Yes, uh, yeah. About that, um, they they found who they were looking for, and uh, nobody's in stocks anymore. In fact. Oh, that was something else I forgot to describe as you were approaching the castle, um, where normally the stocks, there were like 90 to 100 different stocks, you know, the the hand and neck thing that you mm-hmm. you, you lock people into then you throw tomatoes and stuff at them, that kind of thing. They were pretty much all gone except for like three of them, which are actually the old ones that are, they're always there. You know, all of the new ones have been They you, you saw them kind of moved and off to the side and laying over in a corner, that kind of thing. Like they had just, they had taken them away. Um, and as you were walking through town, you saw that only one um, set, one of the set of stocks actually had anybody in it. And it was really of no, you, did, you almost didn't even notice because growing up here, It's the guy you always saw in the stocks, right? It's the same guy who's always, you know, peeing in the fountain or, you know, cheating somebody at dice in the inn or whatever. It was almost just like old times, but yeah, all the stocks had been moved. And so now your mom is telling you, um, it's, it's over. I mean, the the empire is still here, but, um, they caught the person who was writing the pamphlets and the tracts and things and posting them around town. So, you know, it's, it's actually hasn't been too bad.
1: Am I outside still next to the officer? Ah, uh, you are. Okay. Then I'm not going to say my first thought. <laughs> I'll say, well, I, I did my part to lead them to their, their ultimate goal in the area. And just with the training that I've had, I was able to help them. And they offered to, to take care of you in exchange for me helping them.
0: Um, make a perception check or an insight check. So, so far, the only person who's making checks this this session has been Roos, but that's all coming up here soon. I'm going to make a check right now to see if I find, like, a big rock. <laughs> okay. Pine, how did you do finding your rock?
3: Man, dude, that's a bummer.
0: <laughs> I, I rolled a six. The rocks the rocks are all really small out, out here.
3: <laughs> you
0: find one that you think is a rock, and you're like, hey, look at this, Abby, And then you as you're holding up, it starts to crumble, and you realize it's just a big dirt clod. Aw. <laughs>
1: R- Rus got a twenty two on his insight.
0: So Roos, you see in your eye, mom's eyes, a little bit of disappointment um, in you, which you didn't necessarily expect. She she motions you inside. She says, "Well, come in and take a load off." And as and then she turns around and starts walking into the house.
1: Um, do you follow? Yeah, I'll follow her into the house.
0: Okay. Before she 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 turns around, right before she shuts the door, and she says, "And um, I'll have something for you in an hour when I'm ready to eat my dinner." Okay. And the soldier kind of sits up. He's like, "Oh, yeah, thanks, ma'am." And then she shuts the door. She leads you over to the table. This house is—I mean, it's—it's it's small. It is two stories, but it's like, it's like a like a dining slash kitchen and then a loft, right? Like that's it. So it's it's a, the second story is um, basically a platform above the kitchen where the sleeping pads and stuff are. Um, and this is how you grew up.
1: This home. It's been a while since I've been back here
0: yeah, it's, it's been lonely here. It's been lonely. It's good to have you back. But, and then she lowers her voice. She says, are you, are you absolutely certain that you did the right thing in helping, in helping the empire with what they're looking for?
1: I did the right thing for you. And I did the right thing for me. And I did the right thing for Kira.
0: She takes a step back, puts her hand to her mouth and she says, what, what of what of Kira and you can see, you can, you can hear the hope and the, the sadness in her voice, but more, more than anything, you hear that hope that almost break of her voice as she's hoping for some good news of her daughter who has been gone for years.
1: Well, her story is not mine to tell at least parts of it. Maybe it'd be easier for me to write you a letter about what happened, but it's a little too complicated. Just know that I I ran into her while I was gone. She's nearby and working for an organization that has a reputation of being against the Empire.
0: First, you see um, like hope and joy in her eyes. And then when she says, working against the Empire... Um, you see her shoulders slump a little bit as as the gravity of what you tell her sinks in. Um, we are gonna leave you and your mom kind of at that moment, okay? Okay. Night has fallen. Ruth, you and your mom are catching up. The conversation goes back and forth. Um, a little bit more about Kira. You don't let on too much more about what you know. She stops asking questions. Um, you sense her putting up a little bit more of her of her guard that she's had about your sister.
1: I don't tell her anything about what I did to Kira or anything about Kira getting maimed.
0: The rest of you, the sun starts to go down. You figure it's about this time of year. It's probably about 530 or 6 o'clock at night before the sun is below um, the horizon. And you you figure it's dark. Are you going to wait till like night-night? Like late? Or are you guys going to try to go over now, now that it's dark enough to actually get over the wall? I think there's value in waiting a little bit longer. Um, okay. I don't know. This seems like as good a time as any. Yeah. After the sun goes down, you guys approach the city, um, Nari and Ebi and Pine. Uh, as you approach the city, you can see the city walls. Um, just a quick heads up about the city walls. I don't know if I've ever really explained the city walls. Um, if the castle in the in the city is old and decrepit the walls are new and they're not really new they're just kind of refurbished basically what happened is when the empire five six years ago i think five years ago uh declared war on the country of everlin um, which Tabori is a part of cities started getting ready for war and the thing that Tabury did is they reinforced their walls they built up parts that had been crumbling and they put these big hoardings along the tops of the walls like roofs and and things to protect from the elements um, and to help keep the soldiers dry that kind of thing so these walls look like they're quite sturdy however there's a lot of wall and you guys would know that there's not necessarily a lot of the constabulary to man every part of this wall all the time, so it's only a matter uh, of finding a time to get over the wall. And Abby, you've probably gone up and over this wall quite a few times um, in different forms, one form or the other. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say?
5: Yeah. No, I imagine that that's probably the primary way that Abby has gotten in and out of the city is probably by sneaking up and over the walls.
0: Okay. Well, um, as you guys approach the um, as you approach the uh, the city walls, I want you guys to you can make a uh, perception or investigation checks. I'll let each one of you make your own. Okay. And if you want to be stealth, you guys can make some stealth checks too. Okay. Well, for my perception, Pine rolled a fourteen, and then for my stealth, I rolled a twenty-three. Woo! So,
5: Abby, what'd you get? Oh, I got a twenty-two on my perception roll.
3: And Nari got a twenty three on her perception.
5: Okay. Then I critically failed on my stealth roll for Abby and rolled a a nat one, which oh is a gosh. two with my bonus.
2: Oh no! <sighs> oh my gosh!
5: Okay, so here's the deal.
0: So, um, wait, what did and Nari? What did you get on your stealth?
3: I got a sixteenth, which isn't a sixteen, which isn't bad considering the fact that I have like chain mail on. So, oh
0: right, that's yeah, so kind of bad, Abby. You, you do disadvantage. Okay, so here's what we'll say.
3: I know I did and I still got a 16.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. that's great. That's awesome. So we'll say that um, that Nari, you and Pine um, managed to kind of undo Abby's bad roles. Woohoo. Basically, the moon comes out. And it finds this happened before, but it finds that little glint of metal on Abby that just is not quite covered, and it shines bright as can be. Just hits the it hits the the uh, the scalp, the metal scalp, and just like a beacon, it lights right up. Pine, you got the twenty three. You just quickly take the the cowl of Abby's clothing and pull it up over his head a little bit tighter and cover it up. You guys manage to sneak up to the castle or to the city walls. They're on the east side of town.
4: Abby, we need to put some flat black primer on your head.
2: (laughs) You know, you're
5: probably right about that. I should maybe cake some mud on my head or something next time. You you get out the old rattle can. (laughs) You're ready to start spray painting.
0: Um, But um, your perception checks were all um, quite good, except for Pine. Pine, you're so busy covering up um, Abby's head that you don't notice. But um, Abby, you and Nari both notice that the walls are sparsely um manned um gosh 22 and 23 those are great roles you both notice that the walls of the city um the kind of walking along you because c- the hoardings it's more like a roof um and then there's the the crenellations so you can see people walking between the crenellations between the 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 merlins is that what they're called like merlins am i totally off
4: and Paul, I think you're the only one who knows these words. Oh, sorry.
0: They, it could be Gandalf's, for all I know, and I'd be like, "Sounds good, yeah." <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Okay, so 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 the wall has crenellations, which is like the rise and fall of the wall. You know, like you have a stone and then you have a space to stand out and shoot. Your typical the top that like the top of a rook.
2: Sure. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. But then on top of that, it's like, it's almost like, um, uh, like, uh, a roof has been erected on top of that on posts, um, that stretches all along the wall. And so what that does is it protects from things like catapults or, or trebuchets, um, dropping rocks and things on top. And it also keeps the rain off the soldiers, but you can see between the spacing between those stones, you can see the soldiers walking along there and you see red, uh, or not red. Sorry you see gray jackets um, that you recognize as imperial uniforms, but um, you're fairly certain that you can time it right uh, to get up and over the wall uh, without being seen because it seems like they are, not only are they sparse, but they're also very, um, very strict in their, uh, in their movements. They're very, um, very precise and very structured. So it's pretty easy to time when they'll be in certain places. So how are you guys gonna get over the wall?
5: Well, I was thinking, um, I suppose I'd turn into the wolf spider version of myself and just try to haul them up one at a time, most likely.
4: That sounds good with me. Can
3: you lift me?
0: So you're gonna change your shape into a metal spider? Yes, indeed. Perfect. You've done it before, so why don't you go ahead and describe how it looks.
5: I imagine almost like clockwork weird noises start to kind of go off as my torso like spins around and my limbs kind of get all weird and disjointed and even split in half to turn into two separate limbs and eventually turn into kind of this weird skeletal metallic spider thing. What I imagine is Ebby's weird, you know, kind of bucket head thing that's now twisted around and looking straight ahead at them in this weird comical fashion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pine, you've probably seen this before. Nari, this is your first time seeing Metal Spider Ebby, but you've seen Metal Wolf Ebby.
3: Yeah, I'm horrified. I don't like (laughs) spiders and I'm not I'm not happy about it.
0: Abby, you see a big old boot coming towards your head.
4: <laughs> no, 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 it's a friend. It's a friend. He he remembers.
0: <laughs> He's like, oh, I understand, though. <laughs> so <laughs> so well, you can't speak in your form, though. You can speak That's to spiders, true. but you can't speak to them. You hear this little. <laughs>
4: Oh, that's creepy. Uh, No, Abby, quiet. You're not helping yourself. Oh, man,
3: we could have negotiated our way out of the spiders instead of having Paul almost kill us.
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's
5: probably true.
3: Could have set you in as like a diplomat.
0: (laughs) I I imagine that like your pinkies from your hands like migrate up to your mouth and then they form like the fangs and they kind of like click together when you're talking. (laughs) That's just these gross
5: like mandible things. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: Just your pinkies. Oh, funny.
0: Uh, All right. Yeah, you can scale the wall no problem so you time it right and then uh before you know it are you going up on top of the roof or are you going to go try to go like
5: through the the space that the soldiers walk you know i think whatever is fastest and most stealthy so it may actually be more stealthy rather than like thunking around on top of the roof it may be faster actually to slip you know kind of through the crenellations and through onto the other side as quickly as possible
0: Okay. yeah, that's probably how you do it most of the time anyway. Um, And then so, yeah, that's not a problem. Uh, You drop in a rope. Is that what you're going to do? Um, like, how are you going to how is everybody else going to get over? Is he strong enough in his spider form to, like, at least carry me? Let's see. I can tell you strength strength's only a plus one. I I weigh about 180 pounds. I mean, you can make a strength check and see if you can carry pine, but it's going to be a difficulty of, uh, that seems like too much. He weighs less yeah, than that. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be a high, oh, wait, oh, wait, the 180 pounds? Yeah, I don't know. What, a six foot two old man? Six, okay, so I've met, I've met six foot two old men who weigh 300 pounds, and I've met six foot two old men who weigh a buck 20. Okay, he's weighs 150 pounds. There you go. We'll say difficulty 15,
5: um, and you're gonna have to go at half speed. Okey-dokey. Alrighty, we'll try a strength check. Ooh, rolled a four. Man, I'm on fire with my rolls tonight, guys. I imagine Pine just kind of climbs out of the back and sits down
0: like he's riding a horse, <laughs> and just kind of grabs around the head like to hold on. And then Emmy, you can't see, and you end up like walking into a tree or something. Oh, I think I think it'd be awesome if you like you started to attempt the climb, and then
5: you just fall over backwards, and your legs are twitching in the air, <laughs> like, like a turtle a that's work. been turned upside down. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I think that's that's probably the case. So okay, given that factor, let's uh let's just do a rope thing where we'll all like pull a rope up. I'm I'm picturing it coming out of my spider butt that <laughs> okay. just this rope is dangling behind me <laughs> as I crawl up the wall.
4: Don't think about it, Nari, don't think about it. Well, I mean technically you're in the <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs>
3: technically- spider butt, spider butt. <laughs>
5: Quickly, grab onto my spider butt rope.
4: <laughs> I
0: mean, you're taking on the form of a, of a giant wolf spider. and They have like web sense. So they have to have some kind of webbing. All right. Yeah. Um, let's, you know what? I dig it. You, so are you like dropping it as you go or do you get up to the top and then squirt it out?
2: <laughs> I imagine like silly string. Totally. So you turn around
0: with your
4: butt in the air and you can kind of, like spray it out like silly string. Uh. <laughs> look out below <laughs> but
0: you're a spider so all we hear is <laughs> yeah. click, click 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 yeah two or more of your fingers are like opening and closing the anus where the uh where the web comes out <laughs> oh,
4: it's not an anus it's not an anus it's a sphincter but it's not an anus <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> try not to think about it try not to think about it cover your eyes nari cover your eyes Okay, yeah, you get a rope
0: over, and because you're a robot, the rope that you secrete is kind of, um, I mean, it's not like true webbing, um, but it kind of has the same consistency of webbing. Yeah, it's hanging there for them to climb. So now I just need some simple, you're climbing a rope against a wall. This is a simple athletics check to climb this rope. I want to say the difficulty is like, like five. Oh, good, 19. Oh, man. Oh, wow, Pine, there was a definite chance you could have failed that.
4: Yes, (laughs) but there was no chance Nari could have.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh, you did roll a natural one.
3: (laughs) Oh,
0: man. Okay, but here's the deal. So technically, a natural one does not automatically fail um, skill checks unless it's hilarious. But I think that we've already had enough fun with Spider-Butt. Um, so, um, Pine, for an old man, you scale that wall. It almost reminds you of like basic training, um, you know, okay. fifty years ago. Um, you're like, oh, I remember. Well, I shouldn't say what you're saying, but I imagine you're thinking it's something like a, like you know, what you see in boot camp or something, um, mm-hmm. where they're climbing walls and you know, climbing ropes and and running through mud puddles and that kind of thing. Yep. Although usually it's not spider butt rope, but. <laughs> Nari, every time Pine tells you, don't think about it, Nari, you have to think about it. And you realize you are climbing up spider butt rope. Um, You get to the top, but it's a little bit disconcerting. Um, We'll say the same thing kind of happens with going back down. There's more spider butt rope. Um, Getting down is, is easier. And before you know it, you are in the city we'll say that to get into the city where you were fairly certain it'd be the safest to scale the wall you actually scale the wall um kind of it's on the eastern wall but it's down south so as you scale the wall you drop into the section of town called the Muds okay
4: good yeah that's where i was hoping we'd end up
0: right and so um it's now uh you know people are finishing up dinner you know they're they're winding down for the night and you guys were going to meet back up at the Kegery was that the plan Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. You guys start heading through uh, the muds. You see people uh, closing up, uh, you know, their their shutters and things for the night. Um, there are still people moving around. Um, there. Why don't Why don't the three of you, as you're moving through town, each of you can make an insight check or a perception check, whichever you prefer, kind of get the feel of town. Okay. So Pine rolled a twenty one perception.
5: Okay.
3: And Narg rolled a thirteen.
5: Okay. Ebi rolled a 22 insight. So that's going to give us some different
0: information. Pine and Nari, you guys both noticed that the mood is, it's weird. Like the the people are are just going about their day-to-day business like they always have um but they sometimes will like glance up to the the city walls or you see people um, every once in a while they'll they'll be walking through uh, through the streets and then those kind of like glance up at the castle and they'll stop and just kind of look for a while um kind of lost in thought and then they'll move on um you hear people they're not really talking to each other per se um everything is very kind of surface level ebby with your insight of 22 you just kind of get this vibe through the town, there is like a, there's a weird combination of relief, but also of anger, like a simmering anger. Over the top of all that is still this sense of fear. Uh, you walk through the muds until you get to a cobbled street and down by the gate that leads out of town to Tabri landing, the Southern gate, uh, which leads to the, the ferry crossing at the river, uh, you see the large stone and timber building known as the Kagerie. Um, And with perceptions and insights that you guys have done so far, the Kegery doesn't seem as loud and as uh, raucous as it normally does. Um Roos, will say you're already there. Um, And Roos, you're already sitting at a table as Pine, Ebby, and Nari walk in. Nari is constantly um, rubbing her hands on her jeans or on her pants or something, right? It's trying to get the uh, spider butt silk off of her hands. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Um, But you walk in and you... Sorry, it was a a little bit greasy. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's never happened before.
4: (laughs) Never apologize for being yourself, Ebby.
0: Roos, you see them enter, and you guys all see Roos sitting over kind of in a corner by himself. You see there's other patrons in here um, drinking. Um, You see that there's a couple of barmaids and servers um, dishing out food. Uh, The thing you guys have realized, too, about the cagery is that the food is surprisingly good here. Roos is sitting at a table. He waves you over when you guys come in. As Pine walks in, he's straightening his jacket, making sure his hair looks nice, and starts, you know, looking around the room for any familiar faces. (laughs) All right, I'm
1: going to make a straight-up luck check. (laughs) There's one familiar face. Roos is in the corner still waving.
0: Um, As you glance around the room, you are looking for, like, dyed red hair, uh, a boisterous laugh, and you do not see it. In fact, you don't see any of that um, profession here in in the common room. Okay. I see. I I look around, and then seeing only Roos that I care about, I'll go... Okay.. <laughs> so Rus is at a table.
3: Can I this is the same place that I was staying previously, right?
0: This is the same place you were staying previously. Yes. Ember does work here.
3: Okay. Can I do I know the staff though? Could I go up and kind of inquire about her?
0: You know the barman. Um, his name is, uh, it's a very important name. Let me um, make sure that I have it right. Um, quick look through my notes. Angus. It's Angus the barman. Angus.
3: Oh, hey, Angus. Oh, man. I once got super drunk in Ireland with some guys named Angus. That was a rough night. <laughs> nice.
5: That was wild. Are you sure it's not Sleeve (laughs) McDyckel?
3: Okay,
2: no, no, the
0: guy, no, here's the deal. The guy up in the stocks who's always in the stocks, his name is Sleeve (laughs) McDyckel.
1: That old codger Sleeve. Uh,
4: Well, I guess, okay, if if Pine dies, I guess I'm not making a character named Sleeve (laughs) (laughs) McDyckel.
1: There's like 18 other names on that list.
0: So, wait, wait, so I, I got to go back really quick, though. Sabrina, did you say you got drunk with a couple of Anguses? <laughs> uh,
3: well, it was Angus Murphy was one of them, uh, and I can't remember what the other guy's name was. I think it might have been, like, Patrick or something. Oh,
5: okay. <laughs> wow, that's super Irish.
3: Then there was another Angus, and then... They got into a bar fight (laughs) and this guy was like six foot two or something. He was really big and I'm pretty small, but I was drinking. And so I kind of took on this guy and he, he was really, he felt really uncomfortable. So he backed off of the other guy who he was, the other Angus who he was fighting. (laughs) It was really weird.
5: That has to be the most Irish story I think I've ever heard. It was pretty
3: cool.
0: I thought, you know, the Highlander was Scottish, but it's like, the Ang- it's like the Anguses are like Highlanders, so they can only be one. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's well, yeah, really like, weird. <laughs> when you said that's the most Irish, uh, Irish uh, story you've ever heard, I said, and then they sat down and started eating potatoes. Hard, hate, hard. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: well, but then we kept drinking and we kept bouncing around and we ran into him at another bar because there was only like five bars in town. <laughs> oh, um, so then I went and apologized.
2: Oh golly! Oh, f-
3: and then I think I got kicked out of the next bar, and I went to <laughs>
0: Good story. It sounds like the perfect Irish
1: story.
3: Uh, it was a rough next day.
0: <laughs> okay, so Angus is the barman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nari, you walk up to Angus, and he is uh, cleaning a-, a mug. As you walk up, he says, "Ah, Nari, it's great to have you back here. hate hard." <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 oh. hey, <chi-chi-chi-chi-chi>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean
5: what in a little bit of a pint uh, no i'm not doing it okay <laughs> no
0: irish accent he says he says oh nari i haven't seen you around for a while you're back
3: oh hi angus yes it's it's good to see you i'd i'd take a pint of my favorite if you if you could please
0: all right yes sure thing
3: oh have you seen ember around recently
0: He glances up at the staircase um, back behind the the bar and he says, yeah, I I think she's up working. Um, He puts a a mug in front of you and he says, that'll be a silver.
3: Of course, I'll tip him as well because I'm a millennial. And then I, I will just ask him if anything, if anything strange has happened since we've been gone. It seems like things are kind of getting a little bit back to normal.
0: He um he kinda leans in conspiratorially and he says, Wait, were you were you were gone? Were you like outside of the city? Just just for a day or two. Oh, he says, Oh, but they weren't letting anyone out. I, I won't I won't ask how you got out. Um but you're back now. But so you've you've missed all of the excitement.
2: I I have.
0: So they came here looking for the person who was writing all of that libel, that imperial uh, propaganda, right? what well, they found him
3: oh yeah who who was it someone we know
0: Uh some some old constable he's uh they're going to hang him tomorrow
3: oh wow okay yeah well thanks for the info
0: yeah so they i think they're going to be moving out here soon but um but we're going to have a hanging and uh now people are torn uh some people are happy that it's over and other people are upset that um we still have to watch someone hang for words he kind of he kind of lowers his voice he's like for words just words and they come and they do this to our town to our city they they lock us up make us prisoners in our own walls and then they hang one of us after humiliating us and you can see he's getting like riled up and uh he's uh
3: come now angus I guess you gotta just calm down, man. We're all friends here. This is this is just you just gotta be cool, dude.
0: He uh, he That's what in I cl- did in
3: Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, we just we gotta calm down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they're like, I can't understand your accent.
3: Well, I think it was more like the fact that the, the five foot. Burrow was like yelling at this six and a half foot tall dude, just telling them <laughs> to calm down, not letting him like body checking him when he could easily like, but he wasn't going to hit me. Cause why would you hit me?
0: Oh my gosh. So Nari is like a uh, reverse Sabrina. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Kind of. All right. He,
0: uh, he, he sets his, he sets the mug down that he's cleaning. And he says, he says, no, it's, I, I understand. I mean, I, I trust you, but, uh, it's just it's just not right. It's it's just not right. And then he goes back to cleaning the mug.
3: Alright, well I will we'll take my drink and go over and join Roos and everybody else at the the table.
4: So as we sit down, Pine will say to Roos, Well, it looks like you're not in the stocks, so it must have gone well.
1: Yeah, it went as well as I could have expected. And I've got some good news for you as well. They apparently found the man writing Seditious letters So you are off the hook um, Make an insight check Pine
3: Well, but they are going to hang him
0: <laughs> <laughs> Make an insight check? <laughs> yeah, Pine. I just want you to make an insight check If you score high enough No, I uh, do not, I got a four <laughs> You're like, oh, well that's interesting
4: Hmm No, uh, they, they, they found.
1: Who is it? Oh, I didn't care enough to ask I thought this would be great news for you
4: well, well, no, I won't let... I won't let another, an innocent, hang in my place. You have a a
1: get-out-of-hanging-free card. I don't plan to hang. Oh. Well, the Empire would have hung you had they caught you, and now you don't get hung. Some other guy gets to take the blame for you.
4: That's 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 unacceptable. That's not how I live. I have to... I have to find a way to free him. Did they say who it was?
2: No,
1: I didn't even think to ask. I was just (sighs) excited to give you this good news.
4: When does he hang?
3: I heard it was a constable. Constable? That's all I heard in older...
0: Pine, I'm not going to need you to make another insight check. Yeah. You are fairly certain you know exactly who this person is who is going to hang
4: is the constable that we got in trouble. It's Bert. I know it. He let us out, and they think he's involved. This can't stand. He's the only reason why we were able to go out and find our new associates in the first place. I can't let him. I can't let him hang for me.
5: I'm with you on this, Pine. What should we do? We stop it. And that's where we'll end for tonight. Mm, Man.
4: (laughs) I can breathe now, man. So when you, when you did the opening thing, Paul, I was, I was,
0: I was thinking three people that it could be that they had locked up. I was thinking probably not Russo's mom, but maybe I was thinking Bert would be the obvious choice. But please don't let it be Ember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about Angus? No love for Angus? Oh, it's true.
0: That's true. Angus and I go way back to when I learned his name about 10 minutes ago. What? You well, could could
5: hang from the gallows then,
0: eh? <laughs> I, I could have enslaved. I, I
5: cannot do it. I cannot do it.
0: <laughs> no, there was one line that I cut out, and it was uh, it was uh, after you hear the scream, you hear this.
1: Oh, guys. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Golly, fine. Golly, guys. All right. Okay. Well,
0: hey, everybody, hey, thanks for joining us on this episode uh, of uh, the Crystal Codex with the 12-sided guys. We had a great time tonight, and uh, we left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. So next time, look forward to some uh, conniving, some adventure, some action, and uh, a little bit more of the Crystal Codex. Until then, have a good night.